All right, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, on this talk, I wanted to do something I don't usually do in, in public. I don't mind doing this in private, but I don't usually do it in public um, for various reasons. Um, which is to talk about living saints um, and about uh, people who have excelled in the spiritual life. Um, and the reason for this is because I think there's been a trend in the church, and I think it's a cultural trend, not just like anything else, that we don't like the supernatural anymore, um, where there'll be attitudes of, um, I don't need a miracle to believe in God, etc., or there's no greater miracle than the Lord at the altar, etc. These are true. I'm not contesting those. Um, but to act as though the supernatural isn't real is to deny God, okay? Because God is supernatural. And so if God is supernatural, it shouldn't be weird that the supernatural effects. I'm not just here to be like, I want to give you a light show um, and tell you about this, but because I think there's been an antagonism that's developed. So there's two extremes that are wrong. I want to make that clear before I tell any story, right? There's an extreme of running after everything in its mom, right? And any story, like, and, I, and I've seen the extreme where like a black bird will appear, like, ah, same mold as the black. Um, and it's like, no, it's, it's just a black bird, um, right? Or that any white bird is a virgin. Right? So I, I understand that that can happen and has happened. I understand that there are frauds. I understand that there's manipulation. I know that that exists. I don't deny any of those things, okay? On the other hand, is an extreme um, uh, of that's so lame. And, and why would saying so-and-so do X? As though you have the capacity to know exactly why saying so-and-so would do X. There's a lot of things that our Lord said that made absolutely no sense to the apostles when he said it. Um, they still made sense. They just didn't to the apostles. Um, and so I don't want to have this antagonism. But why is part of this series is to say, um, if you don't know what it looks like, you're striving towards a theoretical. Um, and so I know I always use this analogy. I suck at basketball, but I'm going to use it as though I'm like a baller. But if, like, if a little kid is, thinks that all there is to basketball is learning how to dribble, right? then there's not a lot of thrill in that other than maybe like the first day. right? But if a, if a little kid sees Kobe play, right, then it suddenly becomes, oh, I, I want to do that, right, now, I'm, I'm, now I don't mind doing the drills, now I don't mind doing the exercises, I, 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 I want to be that, and that, that is tangible, that that is something you can look at and you can see, right, and so the theme of this convention came from Romans 12, um, your homework is to read Romans 12, like the whole thing, um, but I'm going to use this, the first part of it, to get to what I want to get to. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. This is St. Paul saying, I, I beg you, okay, please, for the love of God, to present your, body, your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is asceticism, okay? That was the talk on asceticism. Holy and acceptable to God. That's what we're going to talk about, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's why this was called Renew Reform, right? It was saying, fix your thinking. If, you're, if, you're, if your thoughts aren't aligned, if they're not adjusted properly, your whole thing is gonna be messed up. 
right? You've got to have your, your compass calibrated properly or you will never be going in the direction that you think you're going to, even though your compass says it. Okay, we have to realign our thoughts. That's not annoying, that's repentance. That you may prove what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. That was talks one, two, three. For by the grace given to me, I bid everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, which is conform your mind to truth as opposed to putting yourself in the place of truth, right? Of making yourself the standard of truth. To think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. For as in one body, and this is the part that I'm using to say this is why I'm talking about it, because he's saying here's the consequences of doing that, and this is what I want to talk about through these characters that we'll, just, we'll talk about. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ, differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion of our faith, if service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So he's saying that among you, if the spirit is working, there should be different gifts. Some are supernatural and some are, are, are not seen as supernatural. Right? The gift of, of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of, of that kind of thing is seen as a supernatural grace. But, I, but it's not less of a supernatural grace to have the gift of teaching. It's not less of a supernatural grace to have the gift of discernment. Nor is it less of a supernatural grace to be merciful or to be somebody who comforts people. We tend to diminish those thinking that they are not actual gifts compared to the light show, okay? But I also want to talk about, about the light show um, because I want you to know that this isn't something that existed in the time of the apostles and stopped, right? Is that in our becoming holy, we become united to God, right? That in my acts in the name of Christ, the Holy Spirit is strengthened within me and it becomes more powerful than me, it becomes speaking more clearly to me and becomes able to work through me more easily. This is a real thing. This is the premise of the church. Because if we don't believe that the Holy Spirit does that, then we are monumentally wrecked right now. Okay? But we, we believe in this as a church. And so when that Spirit is doing something, it's doing things to save people. And so we become transformed. This is why... We sing in the Tezbahah, he took what is ours, he was incarnate, right? He took on the, all of our humanity to know what it's like to be us. That's lecture one and two. What it's like to, to figure out how to do good, how to deal with how to, what, what, when I do wrong, right? But then he says, but I'm not stopping there. I'm giving you me. I'm going to live in you, right? And you will do things. That's why Christ said to the apostles, don't marvel at this, like what I'm doing. Like the, the, this, I was like, wow, like, this is a great life show. Right? And he's like, oh, this is nothing. You are going to do more than me. Right? This is God saying to the apostles, you are going to do greater works than the works that I have done. Um, and I want you to know this because in our, in our age where we were dominated by rationalism and intellectualism, I am uh, a poor intellectual, but I, I like intellectualism. So I'm not, I'm not saying intellectualism is wrong. But I'm saying that if we lean only towards intellectualism and philosophizing and rationalization of everything, you lose the mystery of faith. 
okay? And, and God is not a physical being. And so if you don't have access to the spirit, you're, you're, you're missing out on something. Um, for me personally, um, I struggled with that, especially in late high school. Like I, I, I was into reading and philosophy from a from young age. So that to me, Christianity sounded like a philosophy. And, and this is why I want to talk with these holy people, because it, it turned my world personally upside down. Um, we don't do testimonials in the Orthodox Church, thankfully. Um, and one of the reasons is because nobody's life is done. Right? Anybody, everyone is still on the journey. You can be gung-ho, I love Jesus today, and be like hardcore atheist tomorrow. Right? And so we don't, we don't like to idolize a person who's alive. So when I'm speaking today, anybody who's alive, I'm not going to say their name. Um, I'll only say somebody's name if they've if they passed away. Um, so on my first visit to the monastery, which I didn't want to go to, because um, I thought they were really boring, um, what blew me away was my what I think was my first identifiable, because I'd encountered holiness before, but my first identifiable encounter with holiness, okay? Where it was, it was seeing Kobe, right? It was, it was going into this place and then, and, and I'm just going to be real. I'm like, okay, you guys are like in a cage, right? You've got these big walls around you, and there's no sex, and there's no money, and some guy orders you around, and you're supposed to smile and say, I've sinned, and okay, to everything. Right? I'm like, I don't know what's appealing to you about that lifestyle. Um, that sounds like hell to me. Um, but when I saw them, like, stupid happy, I was like, this is messed up. <laughs> like, why are you happy? They were ridiculously happy, right? There was no cell phones, right? There was no net at the time. There was nothing. Like, they're, they're just chilling with Jesus, right? And they're doing manual labor, and they're doing these things. I went to Tizbecha, which I really didn't like um, in general. And I, like, I thought I was in heaven. Because it was people singing with joy I had never seen that was clearly authentic. Right? They were finishing this, and I, I actually learned Coptic to participate. Like, I didn't even care what was being said. Right? I'm just like, no, give me a book, teach me how to read this thing. Like, I want to sing with them. They're really happy when they sing that. Right? And I was so taken aback because I thought Christianity was like, you're bad, and you're, you're really far from God, and you need to fix it because you're disgusting. Right, and I'm not a, I'm not a person who opens up easily. Right, like I'm not like I wasn't the kind of youth that would like a servant would come talk to me and I'd be like I just feel I'd be like why are you talking to me? Um, like I was not going to talk to him. So there's this this monk that I liked, and I think it's because he's mischievous like me, um, who taught me how to sneak out of the retreat house um, so that we could go for a walk at night. And I not only opened up, I broke down crying, which was like not my character at the time. Now I'm I'm too emo, but. Um, I'm like, I'm filthy, and I'm scum, and I'm low, I'm saying all these words that I think are like repentant, and he had this look, <laughs> like, what's wrong with this guy? Um, and he's like, I don't, I don't know what, what's, what's the problem? And I'm like, I'm bad. And he's like, right. Me, me too. <laughs> what's your point? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought that's what we say to God. Um, and he's like, I mean, he knows, but like, I don't know if that's what he really care, cares about. Um, and I'm like, what do you mean? Right? It was the first time, even though I heard the words, that somebody's talking about the love of God. Truly. 
right? Like from a place of reality, not a place of um, don't worry, Jesus loves you. Um, read your Bible, fast and pray, help those who didn't come this week come next week. Um, like <laughs> that kind of, of thing, right? Where it was something very sincere and very genuine, right? That I'm just like, and I'm glad that it was not initially a supernatural encounter of like, and some guy zapped and like he levitated. Um, that would come later. Um, but like, of, of, of realizing that this is real to people, okay, and that there is something intrinsically different about these people, right? That they radiated something different. That in their presence, I felt carried, right? I felt that there was somebody who was changing me by existing. Right, by simply that. Um, within a couple of days was like my first time being like, wait, these things are real. Right, there's a monk, he's passed away, Winnegirgis Antoni, the, the former one, there's a new one, um, who, um, I just saw a bunch of people kissing the hands of some old monk on a wheelchair. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'll go kiss his hand too. Um, so kissed his hand, walked away, um, and then found him, I'm walking away, and then he's calling out saying, my, my old name is Mina, right? Which um, means like welcome in the colloquial, but it's a welcome that can indicate that you know that someone's come from afar. Um, and I came from Canada, um, and I had never said anything to him, and I didn't give him my name, and nobody in the monastery knows my name. It's my first time there. So I turned around thinking he must be talking to like someone else, and he's staring at me, and he repeats it. He's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Um, and so I'm like, thank you, um, and I'm like, mind blown, um, and cause I hadn't seen something like that before, right? So then I go to the canteen where that monk is, the, the shy monk, um, the mischievous monk, um, and I'm like, so like that guy out there, um, like, he knew my name, like I didn't tell him my name, he's like, oh yeah, 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 that's from the Gyrgyz. What do you want to drink? And like, <laughs> like, no, you, you don't. You can't just say that. Um, and then I found that the world of the, 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 the saints living there was normal for them, where they would use an apparition of a saint as an identifier, not as an event. Right? So they'd be like, remember that kid that was here earlier? You saw him like that, Mekteba, the one, the, one the one that saw Montunius in the morning? Um, and like there's a monk talking to another monk. And like, yeah, 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 them. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And they pray for them, like they've got like a surgery coming on. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. Like, forget surgery. He saw who? Right? Like, oh, I'm Antonius. Ivy. Normal. Um, but, um, you know, it's really not like, no, no, like, like, you can't. Like, like, just stop. What do you mean? Like, he felt it. Like, no, like, he saw him. And they're like, what's wrong with like, this guy? Right? Like, why does he have a problem with this? Um, whereas, like, wait, so these things are, are real. Um, and then, um, I was, just, I was, broken. I had no idea who I was like at that point. Right? So I was going to walk at night. This is like my second retreat now. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I had a specific question in my mind that I've been thinking about for my whole entire retreat. And there's this monk who had just been ordained. Um, and so he was living like the paradise to the letter as much as he could. So whenever he finished liturgy, he would sprint to his cell, literally, like it was comical. Like, hike is a galabeya and like go sprinting um and so our challenge is like can we catch him um and we didn't and so i'm walking it's pitch black there's no lights there's no electricity at night um and i'm just thinking 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 and i just bang like walk into somebody 
Um, and I bumped into the monk because it's pitch black and he's dressed in black. Um, and so I hit him, I didn't mean to, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Buna. And, and it's that monk that's running. And then he looks at me and is like, oh, Mina, the answer to your question, boom, 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 boom. Have a good night, you're a mic. Um, and I'm like, oh, um, like that these things are, are real. So I want to give you some, some different figures. Um, so I'm debating whether to do this through talking about gifts and using examples or talking about persons. I think I'll start with gifts. Um, and again, I'm, the, the objective here is to say, I'm not saying strive to receive a particular gift. No, I guess here's, a, here's an analogy. We're at war, okay? Like, like our, the spiritual life is, is a battle. And so when you're in this war, right, you have every, but every one of us, no matter who we are, is a soldier. Um, some people have given, been given dignity of ranks for the sake of organization, okay? Um, so there might be a commander of a battalion, there might be, I don't know, army lingo, right? But there's different ranks. Um, but you've got the, the king, we're going to go to old times, who's looking at the army and saying, some of these guys are really disciplined. Um, and we have certain resources that need to be used for the people. Who can I trust to give these resources to responsibly distribute them to the people, okay? That's a gift. So it's not, you're so good, and so I want you to be able to read minds. That's not the concept, right? It's the people need something, the soldiers need something, who can I trust, right? If the government is giving out grants, for example, for non-profit non organizations, right? Would you be like, have some guys kind of like, oh, give me the money? Or might the government maybe more responsibly say, let me find organizations that are already very responsible and very dedicated and already extremely diligent in their work. I can give them that money because they're, they're already very responsible with what they have, right? This is, this is the concept. And like I said, it's not just like every gift, whatever it is, is a supernatural gift. Everything is a charism of the Holy Spirit. So, um, the gift of healing, right? We saw Peter and Paul, the apostles, right? The handkerchief of one and the shadow of another, right? We're healing. Um, as much as possible, I'm telling stories that I witnessed with my own eyes so that they're not just like, oh, I heard some theta say this, um, even though that doesn't make it invalid, but just for your sake, if you find me credible in any way, um, and a couple that are secondhand. But um, we were going up the mountain to pray in the cave, and we're on our way down, and um, there's, a, there's a monk, it's not the one who you guys are probably thinking of, um, who often would pray up there. And on the way down, we stopped at the church in the middle of the mountain just as a rest, and this guy, um, his nose started bleeding. And I saw it, it was all over his face, and there was a white towel, it was all over it. Um, and there was like seven or eight of us youth, um, and a buna. And the guy started tripping. Like he's like, oh my gosh, I'm bleeding, blah, 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 right? And then there's like three guys that are like joking the corner. And this Abuna is a really to himself Abuna. Like he's not antisocial, but he's not a joker. Like he's not gonna, he's not that kind. Um, and so I'm looking at the guy, like, like helpless, like I don't know what to do. And in my mind, it's just nosebleed. But um, out of nowhere, Abuna is just like, what's wrong with you? Um, he's like, your nose isn't bleeding. 
and, and I promise to you, there was suddenly just no blood. Um, and he's like, no, 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 Habibi, you know when it's cold, um, and so your nose is running and it feels like you have a nosebleed, it's just because it's just you're, you're cold. And then goes running um, to the youth and starts joking, like, hysterically, right, to, like, draw attention away from the situation. And the other guy's swearing up and down. He's like, no, there was blood, there was blood. I'm like, I know, I, I, I saw it, right? Um, these things still, they still happen. Um, because of, and again, I'm trying to link this to the previous talks, because of this man's discipline, right? It's not a reward for discipline, but because he is disciplined, he has good health, okay? So he's able to enjoy the benefits of health because he is healthy, okay? That's, this is, this is, have that underlying concept. Um, speaking in tongues, right? People say there's been no speaking in tongues since time the possible don't hear. That's not true, right? Speaking in tongues is not a thing where people can just stand up and blah, 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 and all kinds of weird stuff like that. But the gifts of the Spirit have to have a reason. There's a famous story. I didn't attend this one. This one is well attested to in the monastery. But Buna Tedros who passed away in the early 90s, right? Who some lady had a vision of him in her dream. She's this white European lady from like Belgium or Austria, right? Who, who saw him. And so she traveled to Egypt to see him, right? So she came to the monastery and said, I need to meet the monk named Ibn Tanto. She had no way of knowing this is the 90s, early 90s, late 80s, right? And they're like, yeah, there's Nabuna here, but you're not going to be able to talk to him. The guy doesn't speak. Uh, she spoke French, sorry. It must have been France or, or Belgium. Um, and so he's like, but Abuna doesn't speak French. She's like, I don't care. I want to talk to him. Like, okay, well, we'll bring Abuna out and we'll bring you a translator. And she's like, I don't want a translator. It's personal. Um, and she's like, he understands me. He, came, he already came and talked to me before. Um, and so they went to Abuna, and Abuna was this fool for Christ who like acted dumb half the time. He was actually simple, but sometimes he would overdo it, right? So he would like when when blenders were introduced to the monastery, he was like, oh, this is amazing. So he put fish with his tomatoes and his watermelon, and that was his meal. And he's like, this saves so much time. Um, like, this is the, the kind of, of, of guy that he was. Um, and so that Abuna, uh, there's a lady here that wants to see you. And it's like, sure. And monastically, they usually wouldn't say yes to being one-on-one -on -one with a woman somewhere. Right? And he's like, okay. And she's like, are you sure? He's like, yep. Um, so he goes to the church. They're in there for like two hours. The lady comes out crying for joy. And they're like, what happened? She's like, nothing. We just had it. We, had it. We, we discussed everything I needed to. And I was like, well, how did you guys converse? And like, I don't know. I was hearing him in French. Um, and so they had their full conversation, that, 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 that these things are still, um, I think, prophecy. There's two kinds of prophecy. We tend to think that the gift of prophecy is um, predicting the future. That's not the real biblical meaning of, of prophecy, per se. The real meaning is, is discerning the word of God. Um, and and it, it, it started to be associated with foretelling, but that's not actually the, the definition of, of, of prophecy. Um, but both exist. Um, there's a living elder who serves. Um, he's been a monk since 55. Um, and my dad, who's a pharmacist, um, there was an incident where a technician um, made a mistake and a guy came very close to dying. He was hospitalized. Um, my dad is a pharmacist who's responsible, right? He's the one who's signing off on it regardless of who made the mistake. And so the guy told him, I'm, I'm going to sue you so bad that you're, you're not going to recover from what I'm going to do to you. Um, I was in the monastery 
So my dad calls me and he's like, pray, this is going on. So like, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call the elder. At this point I know who, who he is, because um, he's a great living saint. Um, and I called Abuna, I was like, Abuna, um, my dad, he's like, I know. And I was like, uh, it's, and he's like, I already know. And so I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> so um, what do we do? And he was like, pray. Um, and then he said, he goes, three days. Three days and everything is going to be resolved. And I'm like, I'm going to take your word for it. Like, this is, like, it's hard for me to believe that, right? Like, my dad almost killed him, right? My dad called me three days later. Um, and he goes, I don't know what happened. And I was like, what? And he goes, he goes I, I think this has to be a miracle. He goes, the guy, um, the guy called me and said he wants to apologize to me. And I was like, for what? I almost killed you. And he goes, because you saved my life. He goes, I was suicidal. Um, and this experience of almost dying has given me a completely different appreciation for life. Um, now I want to live. Um, thanks to this error. And um, I'm moving cities, but I don't want to stop dealing with you as my pharmacist, even though, like, there's, you know, pharmacies are every corner. He's like, I want you to ship my drugs to me in this other town. And I've talked to my family, and they're all going to transfer their scripts to you. So we just really want to thank you. And I don't know what to say. To something like that, right? And so then, actually, when my dad and my mom came to Egypt, I was like, let's go visit Abuna um, and say thank you. Um, for his prayers and for his intercession. And my dad didn't come with us. I show up at the church. Abuna is in the sanctuary, and it's a crowded church. And I walk in, and I say, hi. He goes, he goes where's your dad? And I was like, well, apparently you already know. Um, and so like, these things are, are, are real. Um, a story that Mabulas, the new bishop in Montreal, just told us last week. I didn't meet this, this person he's talking about. There's a person who... Again, now I'm talking about intercession, people who pray, right? That there was a person who, um, there's two main exorcists known at Dil Baramus where, where this happened. And this Abuna isn't an exorcist, he's still alive, if I'm not mistaken. He's not, he's not known to be an exorcist. And so this person that's demonically possessed is running around crazy and then sees Abuna and then starts screaming and using Abuna's name, being like, stop doing what you're doing to me, stop doing what you're doing to me. And so then the exorcist looked at Abuna and he goes, Abuna, this has something to do with you. Absolve him um, and bless him. And Abuna, like to see the, the character of these people, how humble this, this, this person is, that it's not, it's not light that God entrusts people with things, right? Abuna's response was, uh, absolve, absolve me, Abuna, that's, that, that's a talent above me. Exalt me when I, I don't have that talent. I don't have that talent. Um, and he refused to even do the sign of the cross. He refused to even presume himself worthy to do the sign of the cross over someone like that, saying, I don't have gifts. I don't have gifts. Right? And so the elder exorcist who is there told Abuna to stop telling Abuna to pray. Wait and see. Um, because he knew from this elder, he knew that Abuna was going to pray for him but without laying hands, without doing the sign of the cross, without doing anything. By the time the person had got to the door of the monastery, he was fine. Um, victory over animals, right? We're saying become like the first Adam, become like Adam in his first estate, like Eve in her first estate, 
Um, I witnessed with my own eyes with the hermit, also alive, I'm not going to say his name. Um, I went to chill with him. I've had the benefit of knowing these people since I was 18, so now I just go to them. Um, and we're outside, we're having shade, talking Jesus, and um, suddenly he calls over a few like wild sparrows and just says, come, dive. And they come. And they land on his shoulders, and then there's one in his hand. And they go, aren't they beautiful? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to hold one? I'm like, I I'd like that. Um, and I put my hand out, and it's like edging, but like, they knew what I was. Um, and so it was like, nah. Um, and so it's coming closer and closer. And then Abuna literally just said, go to him. And immediately it went onto my hand and just stayed there. And I'm like, man, um, that this is someone who's at peace with himself, with God, with nature, right? This is somebody who's also ostracized from the community, right? Because I want you to understand that these things are extensive, right? Is that doing what's right doesn't always make you loved and liked, right? This isn't the natural consequence. And that, in fact, it's because of your suffering for the sake of truth, that's your one, right? Where God can say, Truth matters more to you than anything. Truth matters more to you than your ego, than the praise of people, your position in the community. I can, I can allow you to do this for my people, right? Because it's, it's, it's needed and because I, I can trust you more because you've, you've done that, you've shown that. Um, so, uh, spirit-born people. This was something I thought was absolute fiction. Like, genuinely, I thought this was, like, for sure, the most fictitious thing, right? We've seen the movies, right? And I, the movies mess some things up where, like, Wunan Nsiya turns into, like, a bird. Um, where I'm like, I don't think we do, like, this isn't Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> like, he's not an animator. So, but, but it's biblical. Not becoming animals, but um, being spirit-born, right? We have the story of Philip, the deacon, right? When he baptized the eunuch, where suddenly he was before him and then he was gone. Um, I don't want to get into too many stories of what I've seen because of the personal nature of some of the events. I've seen it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be on the record saying that. Um, and actually, we had one incident in Canada where he was witnessed by multiple people. That, that same elder I was talking about um, saved us when we were lost camping out in, in, the, in the lakes. Um, came, shone a light, helped us get where we were going, and then, and then dipped. Um, again, witnessed by multiple people. Um, in a way that it was absolutely impossible for someone else to have done it. Um, this same monk, actually, because there's different kinds of it, and I won't get to the different kinds of that because this isn't to talk about the nature of gifts, um, in the middle of the liturgy, because sometimes they go by spirit, their body's there and their spirit has gone, and he was just like, I had learned when he's in a certain zone that he might be traveling. We nicknamed him Khawega, um, the, the foreigner, um, because he's multinational, um, and no passport. But <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, so um, where'd you go? And he like was like startled. Um, and I was like, I'm asking where you, I know you went, where did you go? Um, and he's like, not far, I was here in the monastery. And so this person, a lot of people have skepticism about him. And so I was like, who? And I'm really like, testing my like, boundaries here. Um, and he was like, Abuk Fulein, your father so-and-so, I'm not gonna say his name because he's alive too. Um, 
And I was like, this is good. I can verify this one. I was like, because I'm close to Buna Um So I went to Buna testing my boundaries with him, and I'm like, so, um, Abuna so and so. He was like, mm hmm. He's like, he's lovely. And I was like, yeah, really lovely. Um, so uh, he visited you, or did he? Um, and Abuna, like, his whole like, body posture changed, and he was like, yes. Of like, I dare you to ask another question. Um, and so it was like, just verifying. Um, and he was like, yes, that gift exists. We're not going to talk about that. Um, so I was like, okay. Because he also doesn't want me to be uh, thinking in a certain way, viewing this a certain way. There's a time for everything, a time for learning. Um, he taught me more later when appropriate because, again, he doesn't even want, like, he didn't want me wanting, like, you know what, I'm going to try and be holy because I want to fly. Because um, <laughs> that's, that's not how it works. Um, and these things are not just in the monastery. In, in, in London, Ontario, where I was born and raised, in Canada, um, so like Fresh Prince. Um, <laughs> we had Sawah pray a liturgy in the church, um, where there was a liturgy, like our, our priests used to come and pray every other week on Saturday because there wasn't a permanent priest yet. Um, and it was a tiny, tiny church, so me and my brother were the main ones serving the sanctuary. We were kids. Um, and I was religious, I was annoying. So like, I would really try and aggravate my brother. So when we'd be done liturgy, George would want to empty the censer because it's hot and there's fire. And like, no, not yet, no, not yet, no, not yet. Just, just like push his buttons. Um, and then the tasks I didn't like, I delegate, like the, like the little kids. I'm like, you can go empty the water. Um, so we did all of that, we have the story. And then I looked at the towels, this is a decrepit church, it was really run down. And there's like cobwebs and spiders on it. I'm like, we need to take all these down and wash these. So I take them all, we close shop, we're back two weeks later, and I come early to set up for Abuna. And I go to light the Sharia, but there's a coal in it, um, like a used coal. Um, and I'm like, I know my brother emptied it, but maybe I'm confusing weeks, right? Like may maybe, like I annoy him a lot, maybe that was the time before. Um, I go to fill the water jugs, and I, there's water. Like, I distinctly remember who I told to do it. Um, that like, like maybe, maybe I forgot. The last straw is that I'm holding the bag of the washed towels, right? And there's two white towels on the altar. Um, and what I didn't know, because I never paid attention to those things, that when Abuna came in, um, the, the, the vessels were all opened. Um, and so, and there was, and there was water on it. And so, I thought like somebody had like secretly prayed liturgy. Like I thought they like they got a rebel priest and they like did it behind his back. Like this is the end of the planning. And, and I go to him and I'm like, hey, this happened. He's like, yeah, cool, no problem. Might be, might be visitors. Um, and then he went to a spiritual elder and and asked. Then there's Tan Samira. Um, I was gonna play this recording, but I'm not going to because I didn't ask Abuna's permission and, and because this is being recorded. Um, Abuna Pro Subrahim. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Tansamira in a little bit. But we have a recording, Tansamira in her last, especially her last year. Um, she was taken by the spiritual church many times. And, and I'm saying this because I want you to know there's an evidence, like there's a recording that happens. You can ask Abuna, he's going to hate me that I just put him on blast like that. But um, we were just listening to them recently when, um, when I was here a visit ago. 
and I hadn't paid attention to it before. I'd heard the recording before, and I hadn't thought about it. Now, Samira was in her room, theoretically. And in the recording, you'll hear Samira describing to Bunapurlo something that's happening in church. She's not there. At the time, I'm, I'm in this recording, I'm at the church. Like, I am at the church. It's me and Bunapurlo that are praying. Um, there was no live stream at the time um, of, of anything, not audio and not video. Um, they would record a sermon, and then, like, within a week or two, they would, they would put it up. So she's talking to Bunapurlo, describing things that are happening in church as they're happening. And in the background of the recording, you can hear very clearly me giving a sermon. She's not in church, um, theoretically. Um, and Tansamira was notorious for like, forgetting to hang up. So after she was done her message, the recording goes to another 40 seconds, and you can hear a whole part of the sermon that I'm, that I'm giving. She was in the church and in her house at the same time. And there's a recording that we have that shows it. And anyone who knows how Samira knows she doesn't know how to do anything with tech. This is a voicemail off of Google Messages um, that exists, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I want you to know that these things are real, right? Um, the fellowship with the saints, that's real. God's saying, let me open your eyes to these. There's a famous story of Pope that I really like. Um, Pope Rose, everyone knows, was like tight with Menemina. Um, and one time it was said that Pope Rose was sitting there and there's two pictures, there's like the Lord and St. Mary and our Lord, and there was St. George and St. Mina. St. George's picture was slightly elevated than Mary Mina. And Pope Rose goes, even in this you need to be higher than him. <laughs> and in front of everybody, the picture came down level um, with Mary Mina. It's like, as a humorous, like, here you go. Um, <laughs> And you don't need to be a monk for that. Um, and the told a very beautiful story when he was a young monk, um, that it was him and there was a, I'm going to call them young, medium, and old monks. Um, so there's a, an old elder, and there was like a guy who's middle-aged, I guess. Um, and Abuna at the time, Satan at the time was a new Abuna. Um, and this lady comes in, and she stands in front of the altar with the curtain that has St. Mary on it, and she just starts cussing out St. Mary. And she's like, you're, and she just loses it on her. And like, what is some kind of mother you are? Um, like, that's not the cussing, like, she cuss cussed, right? But then it was like, and you don't even care, and you're blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. And so what the, the medium monk was like, kefeya mama, right? Enough. Um, like, you're done, your prayers go out, he's like, she's going to scandalize, like, the world. Um, and then, like, I was like, I was young, and I'm like, I'll take care of this, I'm going to escort her out. And he goes, and then elder monk, right, he has the charism of teaching, which is a gift. Um, stop. Stop. Watch and learn. Because the elder monk has a gift of discernment, he has a gift of teaching, and he's looking at the city and he's like, She's real, and she's really praying in her own words, in her own language. And she's like, just stop and watch. So these three monks are standing outside watching, and the lady, at some point in the middle of her yelling, just stops and goes silent and starts smiling ear to ear. And then she says, Mama, you know I'm tired and I'm fatigued. And you know, I understand it's weak. Right? I have found 
Um, and I, I don't I don't know how to clean my language, right? Only you can bear me, right? But I need help. I'm I'm stuck. I need help. Thank you, thank you. All three monks were in tears, right? They left me. Like, I can't, right? It's, it's like it's not this is not a thing just for like the holy monk in the in his room or the holy nun in her room. This is this is a lady from the world with, with all the tires and fatigues of everything that's there. That God's like here, talk to talk to my mom, right? I'll let you see her. There's there's something real, right? He's looking, responding to um, the real needs. Um, Don Samira, I really, I really think like I hope that they write more about not just the supernatural with her, but about her virtue, because you need to understand that Don Samira wasn't born in a vacuum, right? Don Samira had a difficult life. She had a really, really rough upbringing. Right, she had a rough situation. Her husband wasn't like the most calm of people. He was, he was, he was, he was a bit rough. Um, she was dealing with disease, right? But she is somebody. I'm saying, like, link these two other talks, right? It's not her whole life that she's seeing stuff and feeling. She wasn't. This is like the last two years of her life where these things were really active, right? Before that, she felt the presence of God, but it wasn't like there was again like a light show happening to her every other night. In fact, the first time Pope Pius came to her, she literally looked at her and said, "Why are you here?" Her, her eyes were on Christ, right? Um, and even one time when he appeared in her room, um, because her bus to take her to liturgy didn't show up, um, which was because she was being saved from an accident, she found out, but um, Pope Clos is in her room, and she's not like, oh, I miss liturgy, but you're here. She starts yelling at him, right? And she was like, I want to go to church. Um, how am I not going to church? The bus is in here. The bus is in here. La, 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 la. No, blah, blah. No. No, right, and she's like throwing a tantrum at the saints that like God can trust that with these people and I give them a gift, they're not being like, can I tell my friends, right? <laughs> whereas, whereas for her, it's like, I don't know, whatever, can I go to church now, Baba? Right, and that was why she was given this gift. She wasn't just so ah, in general, of God saying, you want my body and my blood, I will give it to you. Because that's your number one, right? That's what I'm, I'm not diminishing that the most important thing is the Eucharist. Right, but of saying that these are aids that take us there, that even these things become aids from that. And there's there's little things that I want you to know that are real in the supernatural world. I remember one of my first retreats, it was my first long retreat. And I was nervous because I was in the retreat house and there's a monk responsible for me, and I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna like me, I'm annoying. Um, and so I was given a room and I was given this old school key and I was told this is the only key in existence for this door. Do not lose it. And I was like, let's on, of course it wouldn't. Um, and so I'm in my room and I'm gonna go on like I had a work schedule and stuff, so I was gonna do my like my mountain retreat. So I this is between my room at the time to the canteen. Um, is like 40 yards at most. Um, it's nothing, right? And I literally put the key in my pocket and I walked in the canteen to say, because there's no cell phones yet, there's nothing like that. So just like, um, I just want you to know I'm, I'm gonna be in the mountain so no one worries about me if you knock on my door and I'm not there. Like, I'm, that's where I am. So like, okay, no problem. And I was like, oh, I forgot to get my Bible. Let me just go get my, where's my key? and the key is gone. I have only walked from my room to the canteen, nowhere else. And when we do that, I'm like, guys, I'm, I've lost the key. Like, this is a problem. 
So we're now walking those 40 yards back and forth, back and forth, and everyone's like sifting sand, um, like trying to find it, and it's not, and it's not there. The, per the monk in charge, like responsible for me, comes and he looks like mighty unhappy already. And I'm like, so I, um, I lost the key. And he's like, can you man up and stop, like, sulking? And I'm not used to being confronted. Like, that, that was new to me. Now I'm totally over it. Like, now I'm like, yeah, okay, hum. But at the time, I was like, oh, he hates me. Um, and so now I'm like, I need to leave. I need to leave the monastery, right? Then this guy that's running the canteen, who's a friend of mine, um, Abuna was coming because he was going to teach him how to drive. So sometimes the monks would serve the people who are helping out so that when they go back to the world that they have skills and they can do things that they couldn't do before that help them with their livelihood. So Abuna was teaching him to drive, which was really cool. So we get in the car and they come with us. I'm like, okay. I'm like, forget the mountain. Um, so I'm sitting there silently in the back, like, don't look at me, don't talk at me, please just teach him how to drive, right? So we're driving and he's grumpy, everyone's miserable, we come back. And this guy that's learning to drive, he's a very faithful servant. And this, this guy that's busy monitoring comes to me, he's like, do you take care of the, the canteen? He's like, to the best of my ability. He's like, yeah? How much money did you make today? And the guy's like, I, I don't know. And he goes, I think you made about 4,000. And, and the guy is just looking at him saying, they're sending, like, what? And he pulls out a wad of cash. And he goes, so shouldn't you pay attention when this falls out of your pocket instead of just wasting the monastery's money? And this guy, like, was ready to die for the monastery, right? And so now he, like, is broken, completely upset. He goes running to his room, closes his door, right? Then this other monk comes um, and yells at the monk who's teaching the guy to drive, saying, I told you I wanted him learning how to drive right now, and you're not going to teach him on my time, and blah, 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 and everyone's just fighting. And I'm literally being like... This is not what I thought the monastery um, retreat was going to be at all. Um, and so I'm miserable, and we're all just sitting there sulky until the first Abuna, the one who told me off, was like, we're stupid. And I was like, what? And he goes, this is the devil. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, this is hot. This is warfare. This is how normal warfare happens. It's not just to show. And he goes, he goes, I don't think you lost the key. And he goes, you know what the best thing to do is? Flip it upside down on his head. He goes, we're going to have the time of our lives. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so he walks to my door. <laughs> and they get a welder first to try and undo the lock, and it's not working. So when it goes, oh, ah. like, move. <laughs> and then he, I made his, his his thigh muscles and Maximus and <laughs> he broke down the door and laughs hysterically. There's only one solution. Um, and he literally breaks down the door. And he goes, go get your stuff. <laughs> right? And he's laughing, right? He goes to Abuna and he is like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't I shouldn't I should have listened to you. I was wrong. I I I took my will over your will and did it, I'm sorry. And then it was like, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been even angry with you. It's so good that you're trying to teach him, like, how did, like, like, and suddenly they're being all nice. So then, and, and so, I was like, what's your problem? Like, I think you hate me. Um, <laughs> and he was like, no. He's like, I just, I can't stand, like, babying. 
Like, I don't want to feel like I need to chase you. I stick with Habibi. Do you need to eat, sweetheart? Do you need to this? He's like, like, let me ask that kid to collect yourself and like, like get your gear together. We don't need to. I'm like, okay, no problem. I can do that. I actually don't want to be with you 24/7. Um, and so he's like, good. Like, we're we're in the same wavelength. Um, and so he's like, okay, we need to go find our Sani and fix it. So we go to visit our Sani in his room. And he's not having it. First of all, he wouldn't even open the door, so when I just opened it. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, and so, and this, the second month when he works, he's like, Do you understand? Why? Like, like, Why are you so sad? Um, and I understand he's like struggling not to like smile. And he's winning, like, he's not smiling. And so the other monk is like, You're upset? And then he takes a jug of water and just starts pouring it on his head. <laughs> Are you still upset? <laughs> Until I said, he just started laughing, right? And he was like, this is, it was a great lesson to see. Like, warfare is real. It doesn't always look how we think it is, right? And that the joy that happened. Imagine if I had listened to the devil and left. My whole life changed from those retreats, right? If I had from that day, it's exactly the devil wanted. Don't, don't, this is helping him. I don't want him to do it. Right? So for me, it was like, I'm leaving tomorrow. If I had left tomorrow, there would be like 16 years after it of my life that would, I would never would have had. Right? That were absolutely essential for my upbringing as a Christian. Right? So warfare is real. It's not just the gifts. It's not just the, it's not just the miracles. Those are real. Right? Um, one time, actually, I, I don't do this anymore because I feel like it's testing all the spirit, but... Um, this is dating myself, and I find out a cell phone. Some of you remember this. Remember pup codes? You could, if you got locked out of your cell phone, if you didn't enter the pin right a certain number of times, like enter pup code. That's how I discovered it. Um, so I was at this every single day, liturgy every single day, working. I was like to the T. I got locked out of my phone. I have no idea how. Um, and you need to call to get it fixed. I'm like, how am I supposed to call Canada when it's like $20 a minute? right now, like to make a call like that. And I'm like, but how am I gonna wake up for the prayers? That was what I was really worried about. And so I mean about the monks living in this, like I'm using monks as an example because they're the reality that I encounter, not because only monks. And they're like, no problem, ask St. Mary. And they ask her what? He's like, to wake you up. And they like, for, what do you mean? And they like, as an alarm to say like, Yadra, like, can you wake me up for church? So I was like, it works? Um, and she's so like, yeah. Like, okay. So when I went to bed, I was like, St. Mary, um, I was told to ask you to wake me up. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind that such and such time. Um, St. Anthony, in case she forgets, um, <laughs> could, could you remind her before waking me up? <laughs> And honest to goodness, I woke up at exactly when I wanted to wake up, more refreshed than I ever was on any morning when I was waking up. I'm like, whoa. Um, I get scared to do it now because I'm like, I, I ruined it by, by telling the whole world. Because um, when you flaunt a, like, a, a gift or a grace or anything, you, you lose it. Um, but that was, that was real. Um, so, I mean, I could go on and on and on, I will not. Um, I'm leaving out a lot of stories that I had written down because I don't, I don't know if I should or should it. But the question is, what do you do in private? Right? The integrity of a person is, is better measured by what that person does when he or she is not seen than what he or she does when they are seen. 
right? What are the choices you make towards truth even when, when you believe nobody's looking, right? Do you, aesthetically, do you stop at the stop sign at four in the morning? Um, do you, do you drive back with the pen you took from the gas station by accident when you were signing your credit card and say it's not mine? Like, it's, 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 a, it's a measure of the seriousness you take about, about your, your health. Do you strive for perfection? So the question of what do you do in private was lecture one, it, do, doing the good. What do you do when you mess up? That was number two. What do you strive for? That was number three. Right? What can it look like? That was this. Is to, to know that this world is, is real. Right? That you're a member in it, whether you like it or not, this is happening around you. You don't even have to believe in it, and it's happening. I couldn't care less if you believe a single story or not that I said. I really don't. Um, it makes no difference because I know it's true. Um, and, and, and truth matters more than how you feel about it. Um, so my question to you guys, to challenge yourselves to, to think about, so it's not just storytelling or philosophy, is what does your life look like? Step outside of yourself and examine, like, what does your life look like? Who are your friends? Who are your friends? Because that'll say a lot about you, right? That's probably one of the most determining factors about who you are, right? Is, is, is who, who your friends are. And where do they take you? And where do you take them? You know, the church, we've messed up. Um, Christ destroyed the temple. And we rebuilt it. And that's not wrong, okay? Building the building is not wrong. We have to congregate, okay? There has to be a chair. But in, in centering our life around the building, you might have forgotten that your vocation is to be his in all places at all times in the world. And that your calling is not to be someone who performs in a building and participates in a number of services in a building. The Christian is supposed to have his or her arms open to the entire world. And the Christian is supposed to have a struggle for virtue in every aspect and every moment of his or her life. And at some point, we forgot that that's a living thing. And we decided that we should advertise museums. I'm not trying to be cynical, I love the church and I'm a member of that system, so clearly I believe in it. But I'm saying we have to understand what the system is for, right? And so we're not presenting artifacts, right? We're not trying to bring people in and say, uh, look at this liturgy, we have it because it's old. Right? We're not saying, oh yeah, our priests dress like that because we do what they used to do. That's not the answer to why we do what we do. Right? The answer to why we do what we do better on some level come back to a question of truth. And truth is something that has to be living. How does the woman with three kids and a full-time job in a factory and a part-time job on the weekends struggling to make ends meet, live the gospel. 
it's not just because she went into church on Sunday and had the Eucharist. It's that everywhere she goes, she's Christ. You have to become that, right? These people are becoming that. These are the things, these, when you see them, they change you. Ember Waze, I'll say his name, he's alive because he has Alzheimer's, so it's not going to affect him today. Ember Waze, I couldn't speak Arabic as a kid. When that man, the first time I met him came, I had no idea what on earth he was saying. When he left, I burst into tears, and that was not like me. Because I'm like, there's something different, that guy. Right, that guy, when he's here, I feel secure. I feel safe. Right, I feel it was. I was my first encounter with but I like, I couldn't recognize. I didn't know that was what it was at the time. Right, even that soweh that I told you about. I remember the first time I encountered him. I mean, although he reads your mind, um, he does all the stuff, and, I, and so I got nervous. I'm sitting there with like 30 monks, and he's sitting this this posture that he's got, and he's looking at monks one by one, and I'm like, in, in, in order. I'm like, oh no. I'm like, he's going to read mine. I've got nothing good going on in here. Let's do Jesus' prayer. Um, so I started doing Jesus' prayer. And then I'm like, oh shoot, he might not know English. Let's do it in Arabic. Um, and then I feel someone looking at me. And I look up, and he's just smiling. Um, and I went to the monk who had first, his disciple, who first introduced me to him. And I was like, um, I fell in love with him. And I was like, and it has, and it's not from that moment of smiling. I think like, it has nothing to do with the stories you told me. It's not because he could read my mind. It's not because of anything like that. I was like, because this is the first time in my life that I can say and mean it and understand what it was meant to say. I saw Christ. I saw him. Alive. That is for everyone. That's what it means to be in the image and likeness of God. You are him. And if you don't recover that, then you've actually wasted your existence because that is the sole reason of your existence. That's what we're trying to renew. That's what we're trying to reform, right? Is to come back to that um, understanding. Spirituality doesn't happen in a vacuum. Everybody talks about like, oh, give me something practical. I'm like, everything in life is practical. Life is practical because you're living. And so when someone comes, oh, Buna, can you tell me how to be patient? Well, I can give you a theoretical conversation of patience. Why do you think you're not patient? Something made you think you're not. What is it? Is it because you can't stand your family member? Is it because you're anxious that something didn't get done? That's the place to start, right? Is to say, what, what is it like for me where I am? Right? Because if you're claiming you want something, in another way you're claiming you don't have something. And in saying that you don't have something, you've done an evaluation. And so how did you arrive at your evaluation? That's what you want to talk about. Right? It's, it's, it's all very, very simple. But spirituality doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not like a, I went into my room and I, I meditated. And like, wow, I'm just like, I'm so much more patient now. Like, yeah, because you were alone. Right? Nobody cussed you out. But what if you were trying to meditate in your room and your mom starts banging on the door saying, Why didn't you do the dishes? Are you patient then? And if the answer is yes, good. If it's not, then I'm sorry, your Zen like Buddha thing isn't happening. Right? It's it doesn't happen 
It doesn't happen in a, in, a in a vacuum. You are meant to be an icon of Christ. Okay? And today we look at icons and say, that's beautiful. And they are. But the making of a living icon is painful. Because it means conforming yourself to this ruler, right? And you being bent and you're being forced to contort yourself to get back to the way that you're supposed to be. So if you think that the pursuit of holiness is one where you're dancing down the aisle, doing cartwheels, singing Jesus Loves Me, um, good luck. That's maybe one in I don't even know what percent that, that exists. There are some that, that can be authentic for, for a couple of people. Um, but for the majority of us, um, it's about challenging ourselves, about conforming ourselves, about confronting ourselves um, and getting out of um, ourselves. When you're going through it, it doesn't look like an icon, but the end product of it is. We tend to look at soldiers and we look at decorations of soldiers and their rankings and we name highways. But that's a completely different thing than the soldier in World War II. He's out in, in the mud, in the trenches, who's facing his enemy face to face, right? And fighting for his life and fighting for a concept, right? That no matter how much cheering you do in the city to welcome these soldiers back, means nothing compared, like you couldn't express what that person went through, right, to arrive at where they did. And this is why God crowns people. This is why God decorates people. This is why God gives, sometimes gifts, even just to make someone happy, right? To say, I appreciate what you laid down for me, and I'm going to share with you, right? So understand that in knowing the truth, in fighting for the truth, we spoke about your responsibilities to those, but know that part of the reason for this one is that in doing so, you do not work alone. That God wants you to do your part, but God is come, gonna come and meet you, right? God is gonna give you grace. God is gonna give you fellow soldiers so that your own morale goes up, you're not alone, right? He's gonna give you funds for your battalion to say, I know you guys need to eat. I know you guys need to get new sleeping bags. I know you guys need new gear. I don't worry, I'm taking care of it. All of those things, God has responsibilities. We weren't talking about those. So, to end, again, let's come back to the theme of the retreat. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Any questions that we might have time for? Like five minutes for questions. Are you in the mood? What's interesting is it's not, it's not purchased to the anecdotal when these things happen to you. Sorry? Why did you say it's not purchased to like when these, when these supernatural things happen to you, it's not good to tell other people that they happen? For a lot of reasons. Um, one, it's like, it's an intimate thing. So to share a personal gift that was given to you um, almost treads on something intimate, right? It's like if your significant other like shared something with you, like special to you, that it's not usually, not always, but not usually the best thing to be like, oh, guess what? 
she did. Another part, especially depending on the age, I was very young when I started seeing these things, um, is, is losing sight of the purpose of the thing, right? Where it'll be like, oh, I want to be holy because I want to be in that club, right? Or I want to pursue miracles. And that might even make me start to make stuff up. Or the devil will start to mimic it to have a field day with me, which he does. Um, and I mean, that's his own talk, is what's called the right handle wars. Um, and so that's another part of it. In monastic communities, they really don't like to um, because they want their virtue and their asceticism and their, uh, all of their personal self of God to remain personal. And also because it can affect the community where there becomes jealousy. Um, for example, I know of one person said in front of another monk, um, I can't believe it, Abuna so-and-so, that sawah, that spirit-born person, visited me. And he knew that this monk knows that that other monk is a sawah and that even that he loves him. So he thought it was a safe thing to say. And Abuna just looked at him and he's like, well, lucky you. I've been dying for help and he hasn't acknowledged me once. And suddenly this joyous thing became a warfare. Right for somebody else. So I mean, there's there's more reasons, but there's those are some of some of them. So is it just being angel when you when you're praying? Can you shed light somebody who doesn't know that? Um, with discretion, right? The one person you should definitely always tell everything is your spiritual father, um, for your protection, um, because um, the devil the devil is a really good mimicker. Um, and he'll, for one real thing, he'll give you 40 fake ones um, to manipulate. So always that, that one person, a person should. Um, with others, um, with discretion, some people are offended by it, right? Like even me saying it is at the risk of people like, oh, he's one of those, he believes in those fairy tales. That's a risk. With another person, it's like, I thought I could have a rational discussion with him, but it turns out he's like one of those, now I'm not sure, right? So there needs to be some discernment about it because you might, you might be a help to someone, and that guy might end up becoming the deterrent when you thought it was going to be the help. Thank you. What is the canteen? Oh, so the canteen, the canteen. Um, it's the uh, snack shop uh, of the monastery. Sorry, Christine. Um, what about like, cause, okay, this is the analogy that I'm thinking of, which is like, pretend you're pursuing someone, you're married to them, and they're like your person and all of that, just like how you are relating it to our relationship with God. How is it easy to be like humble, like the concept of humility in that, if you have that close of a relationship with them where it's just kind of like, it's like that struggle of like acting humble almost, even though you know that like you guys are besties. I don't know how to. Because for people who have those graces, it's an issue of truth. Always. And so to them, it's not surprising that there are saints because we know there are saints, right? To them, they don't view themselves as anything actually truthfully, right? So for them, it's just like, I don't know, I just have a really nice dad, right? Where it's like, they, they're not like, oh, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of my past, right? Like, it's, it's like, I don't know why he did that. But like, Samira was like, what are you doing here, right? Like, she actually asked him, like, all these years you were in here, why now? Why are you now here? Like, like she was, she was drilling him because her mind wasn't, didn't even remotely go to me, right? Like, it was like what? Um, like that's where her mind went, 
So it's, it's, a, it's an issue to true humility. The most simplest definition of, of, of humility is self-knowledge before God. It's seeing yourself as you really are. You do the sign of the cross immediately um, because if it's demonic, that will make it go. And then after that, be yourself, don't sin. Um, and, if, and if God is sending someone for whatever reason, they're going to tell you, right? Like, they're not going to just be like, ah, and like, and you're like, that's really cute, right? Like, they're going to say, like, I, I'm, I'm here because I'm supposed to tell you this and that. Um, because God is, pur God is purposeful, right? Like, God isn't, isn't running a, a Broadway cabaret. Yeah. So whatever is natural to you is to be, and they'll respond to you as you are too. But struggle. Right, you should you should want to be renewed in Christ, Daniel. Yeah, I do. And this is part of what I mean. I'm not talking to you now personally. I'm speaking generally about people being healthy or not. Because if someone's describing an experience that's foreign to you, you're trying to ex ex assess it out of your current experience, which doesn't include that. And so you can't understand, and again, I'm not saying you, I mean you in general, um, how somebody could really know because a person hasn't known that. It's like, it's like telling somebody, tell me why. Articulate for me how you know that you enjoyed running the marathon. I don't know how to tell someone, right? Um, and so it comes down to, do you believe that God can do these things? Regardless of whether you believe a particular incident of something is real or not, do you believe that God can do these things? Because if you don't, then we're going to have a problem with the Gospels because he does them, right? And with the whole Bible because he does them. But there are some things that I think, to, to, if I want to get all secular, right, is to say, I mean, you can't have a confirmation bias produce me in the background of someone's recording at a place that they're not at, right? Or, for example, when you see the little kid come to the monastery who's demon-possessed, who hasn't gone to school yet, who comes from a village, who doesn't know how to read or write Arabic, coming and speaking to you at college level English. I don't need a confirmation bias to say I didn't teach that kid English, right? Did we all see it? Or are we all affirming that we saw something real? like it was real, right? So there's enough occurrences of things that are incontrovertible, in my opinion, 
Um, and that when a person believes that God can do it, a person doesn't feel the pressure anymore to assess every situation, right? So when someone comes up to me and says, oh, this happened, and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Right? I'm like, yeah, cool. Like now I understand why the monks were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, what are we eating, right? Because it was just like, it was just a matter of fact for them, right? Could somebody be exaggerating? Sure. Could somebody be lying? Absolutely. Could somebody be deceptive? Definitely. Could somebody be authentic? Definitely. Right? And, and that's why I'm just saying we have to be careful of both extremes, right? And have a disposition of God can and does, and I have no need to, to me personally be the one to assess the situation, right? There's a famous guy in Egypt, I won't say his name, that people would be like, what do you think of this guy and his exorcisms, right? And I used to take strong stances, I, like I did. Today I'm just like, I don't know how it's irrelevant what I think. I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't know him, right? I don't know if God's working with him and through him in a way that I don't understand. Um, I don't know if because of the need of the people in his area that even if he has a way that I might not prefer, that God is using it because people actually really need it, right? Because to use the army analogy again, right, is that the commander's not going to say, since I don't like any of my commanders, no one's going to eat, right? He's going to be like, well, this sucks, but I'm like, we're gonna to have to work with this brokenness, right? And so we're gonna distribute the food anyway, right? And so I think it's just important for us to not, um, not presume to know, right? And that there's nothing wrong with being skeptical, okay? Um, you will not, let's say there's a true miracle that you didn't believe, God's not gonna be upset with you for that. If you're just simply saying, God can do that, but I'm not sure how I feel about that, there's nothing wrong with that. But in fact, believing something that's false could be very dangerous for you, right? And so that's why I'm not advocating like any extreme, right? Because there's a danger to both sides. As much as saying, know that it's real, right? Just like there are good scientists and bad scientists, we don't say because there's some bad scientists, okay, squash science, there's some bad ones, right? We'll say, or if there's a, a bad scientist in terms of his, his, his theorem and practicum, right, where he ran a horrible study and say, okay, let's drop studies, apparently they don't work, right, of saying, no, let me find out how to discern what's a good study versus a bad study, right? That's, that's a better way to, to approach it. Christine and then Maria. Um, on the other side of it, like, when it comes to, to people who have left the faith because something really bad happened to them, someone died in their family, and they're like, I prayed to God for God knows how long, and um, uh, and uh, he still didn't do anything, so that means that he doesn't exist. With, like, if, if these supernatural, or because these supernatural things are possible, it's difficult to argue that it just didn't happen because that's possible. No, I mean, that's a whole other can of worms, because that has so many presumptions in it, right? Like if somebody comes and says, well, since I prayed this, miracles exist, I didn't get one, therefore there's no God. It's like, so is your premise that the existence of God is predicated on the existence of miracles? And then what is your understanding of miracles? In what circumstances does God do or not do a miracle? Do you even know the answer to that? I mean you, I mean the person who is saying that, right? Because if I go to um, a town hall meeting and nobody invited me to take the microphone and speak and say, that was a horrible town hall meeting. Why? Because they didn't give me the mic. I'm like, but they never give people the mic. 
And it's like, well, I wanted them to give me the mic. Therefore, it's a bad town hall meeting, right? But that's what I'm saying. It always has to come back to a question of truth. What is the true teaching on any individual thing? What is the truth about the nature of any single thing? And only then can you have a real discussion about something, right? And so if, if God had promised, for example, to prove my existence to you, I will always do these miracles. But when Christ was alive, there are many people he didn't heal. In fact, it says that in one city that he went to, it said not he would not, he could not work a miracle there because the people had no faith. What do we make of that? Right? So as I'm saying, the person, like, I'm sure they're hurting, right? I'm sure that that's like where they're coming out of. But it's like, okay, but you can't condemn someone based on how you feel they should have acted. Instead of first ask, asking, who is this person and how do they carry themselves about? We have to know God as he is, not as how we would like to construct him. Right? That's, that's what's really important. If there is, um, like, as you say, so I'm one of those people who has this skeptical part in me. Like, I don't necessarily believe in all of the miracles, but it's if there's a person, a monk in a monastery, and people go to him specifically because he has that gift, and it's becoming more of a commodity, that it's like. We go to that person because he's going to help us heal our migraines or he's going to help us do something. And then someone naive goes to that person and just accidentally hears something from them and this leads them to a whole different direction um, in their life. So, like, how is it? I guess my question is more like, why are there people who are misleading people? Like, why, why would there be monks who are misleading people in ways that? might damage a little life because they aren't actually prophesizing or healing. It's just that there's a propaganda around them that they do this. So I don't, I don't know any monks who are faking. Like I, I don't know any. But I'm going to make a question more general, and I'll just say that a monk is a human like everybody else, just as a priest is, or a bishop. And everybody's capable of great evil. I could ask the same question of, why does any human being intentionally mislead somebody? And we do it all the time. Right? Why does any human being lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, fornicate, gossip? We all do them, and those are all very evil. Right? So I'm not saying since everyone does it, it's okay for them to do. I'm simply saying that if, if there's a monk doing that, that monk is ill. Right? Like, like spiritually, that monk is ill. Um, and that's why I'm saying I'm not advocating a, everybody run, go, go line up after the holy people and, and join the party. What I am saying is know that that stuff is real, right? And that I would qualify always, this is one of the needs for spiritual guidance always, right? Of being able to say, that person might be real, but let's not go there, right? Stay here, don't, don't, don't go there. Um, and there's a wisdom to that, right? Is that, that there's not all, th everything has to be tested and tried um, over time. And when it comes to these gifts, it's, it's just, it's very difficult it's very difficult because they're not common gifts, um, and so people don't know how to react. And we also have to be careful not to blame the person with the gifts for the people due to that person, right? For example, I've seen somebody who has the gift of, of prophecy, where if he says something as simple as, like, um, God prosper you, like he said it's going to happen. I'm like, no, he didn't, right? 
Um, or he says, inshallah khair, is it God willing? Good, goodness, right? And then they're like, I think that means I'm gonna marry them, right? And then they interpret it like that, and then when, if it doesn't happen, they're like, like, what happened, right? And so that's something, there's, there's, there's dangers to this. My goal wasn't to talk about the gifts per se as, as a gifts talk, which I think maybe should have happened, but, um, but definitely caution is needed. And I don't think, I think having some level of skepticism or healthy doubt is, is, is good, but not cynicism. So there's a difference between saying, I don't know how I feel about that, versus being like, yeah, right, he's doing that. That latter one, that's not righteous, right? Saying, maybe I don't know, I'm not comfortable, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that at all. And I'm told that there are no more questions. <laughs>